Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Well, we've been in this series called Others, going from love of me to love of thee. And we've been mainly focusing so far on how do we do life with others, like in particularly here with the people around us? Like these, these Christians, these, how do we do this type of, of life? In a few weeks, we're going to uh, turn a corner and we're going to talk a little bit more evangelistically, sharing testimony and, and stuff like that, reaching out. We're going to get there, but I, I still I feel like I've got a few more things to say here um, as we would talk about just doing life together. So we've talked a little bit about like, I mean, wh- what's difficult with people? Forgiveness, right? That, that's a big deal. We've talked a little bit about forgiveness. We've talked about addressing sin. Uh, we have talked about judgment. We've talked about justice. And let's, let's talk about one more thing. I wanna talk about rising together. I, I wanna do this I want to do this thing together. I, I don't want this just to be a Sunday thing where we come and connect like some social club and that's it. I, I, want, I want to do life and I want to build here with us. And I've just been chewing on this statement and I, I'd invite you to, to chew on it also. It's a pretty radical statement, but think about it with me. Here it is. The same desire that Jesus has to be with me. That's a pretty big desire. The same desire that Jesus has to be with me. Like so much, God wants to be with each one of us. So much that he paid the price, the ultimate price of his life on the cross, paying the price fully for us to be in right relationship with me. That's a pretty big deal. He really wants to be with me. So the same desire that Jesus has to be with me is the same desire that he has for me to be in deep relationship with others. It's hefty. It's hefty. Let me say this towards, towards all of us. The same desire that Jesus has to be with us, and that's a deep, 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 deep and wide, deep and wide. You guys remember that song? Deep and deep and wide. His desire to be with us is the same desire that us would be an us that we would do life in deep togetherness. Last week, uh, we heard Jesus saying and summarizing the commandments, right? He said, what was it? Love God and love people. Love God, love in one breath. Right there. 
And that was the order of operations that we talked about. But I want to answer some questions this morning in this regard. So what is this concept of the family of God? If we're called to do this together, what is, how does the Bible define this idea? And does the Bible have this idea of the family of God? I know some of us are there. Some of us may have heard this type of message already, but I want us to get solidified all together and then I'll, I'll pull us along a little bit further. But what is the family of God? Who is the family of God? And I want you to see how this concept of the family of God is something that is, has been woven in through the very fabric of creation. God made a way for humanity to be with him. He created Adam, put him in the garden there, and we were created with this, this innate, in, inherent need for, for God. Oftentimes people uh, get to this place of saying, like, I've, I've tried everything. I feel like I've got this hole. I've got, I've got this hole inside of me. What is this? I've tried to fill it with money. I've tried to, tried to fill it with belongings. I've tried to fill it with relationships. I've tried to fill it with drugs. What is this? I still feel like I'm missing something. That's because the only thing that can truly complete you is relationship with Jesus. You've been created with this heart-like hole in your heart that only is filled by, by Jesus. We've been created with, with this need, but right then and there, there was also a need created for community to be like God in his triune nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there being perfect community. There was a need for humanity as, they, uh, as Adam was there in the garden. And it says that Adam had every single animal come before him like all of them. He, he's able to see all of creation. And in all of creation, there, was, uh, there, there wasn't a, a fit because there was a need for that community to, to take place of doing life together. And I love this, how, how God develops this throughout the scriptures. Here's a, a, really, a really rough timeline of it. In Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8, write this down. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8, God chooses not just a singular person to be his person, to be my homeboy, to be whatever. It's not just a singular person, but God chooses a nation, a people group, because he wants a community to be worshiping him, right? So it's more just than an individual person. It's a group of people, a collective of people, a family, a body. In Romans 1.16, write that down. God chooses that it wouldn't just be a people group, right? And I love this because that tells me that it's, it's not just all about the way a people looks or dresses or where they're from or the color of their skin or their hair or whatever. It's not just about that. It's the, the family of God is comprised of all who would give their lives to Jesus, all over, all over the world. It doesn't matter where, they are, where they're from, where they're worshiping. They are a part of the body of Christ. And we're meant to do this together. You look at what heaven's going to look like. Think, think about our future as followers of Jesus. What's that going to look like? Revelation 7, 9. Write that down. We will all be united together for eternity worshiping Jesus. Together, So it's not going to be just one little individual. It's not going to be just one little people group, but we are all together going to be worshiping Jesus. I want to look like heaven. I, I want to live like, like that. I want, to, I want to look like that. 
And I want to do that here with, with you. Um, Paul puts this in a very clear way of, of practically how this works out within uh, the body of Christ, the family, how we're supposed to work together. Ephesians 4, 4, and 5 say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are one. We're supposed to be this body that functions together. Now, again, thinking about the practicality of that, does the body all look the same? Am I one giant finger? I sure hope not. I've got, I mean, you've heard of double jointed fingers. I have a whole lot of joints if I'm just one finger, right? The body looks differently because there are different parts. And so we think of the body of Christ, the people of God being all across the globe, but we also think about how they gather collectively. And so some people would call these um, churches. Some people would call these tribes. Some people would call these families, but they are individual and they can look a little bit different. In fact, I think they probably should look a little bit, a little bit different if the body is supposed to look different. So practical, getting, getting as practical as we can. We ought to have real relationship with people across the body of Christ. If the Bible defines the body of Christ being believers all across the globe, all who would give their life to Jesus, here's the question. How am I doing at having real biblical relationship with people who are all across the body of Christ? I was challenged by that. I was challenged by that. It made me think of the different people who I've met, our friends in, in Mexico. I feel like it's been a minute since I've, I've talked with them. I think of, um, uh, who, we've got some friends in Sri Lanka. Uh, and, and so I'm just thinking about how, how well am I doing? And I would call that as a challenge for us all. If this is what the body of Christ looks like, right? How are we, how are we living out unity within the body of Christ? And then we also think about like unity in the body of Christ here within our region. God's doing some really cool stuff here in our region. It's, it's really quite exciting. And, and how are you engaging in the unity of the body of Christ? Again, thinking about the different churches and thinking about this concept that, all right, God has called each individual church to be who God has called them to be. Right? Different churches function in different ways. They're supposed to look a little bit different as long as the leadership has a clear conviction of what they're supposed to look like, of how they're supposed to see ministry go forth. Right? But just because someone looks different, that doesn't mean that they are not of the body of Christ. And we can say that in our theology, but do we do that in our actions? Here's a practical way of how we do that in our actions. One of the things that we have going on here um, in our region is the Eastern Idaho Regional Worship Nights. 
a practical, a practical thing where all churches are invited to come be a part of this worship event. It's actually going to be this next Saturday down, um, down on the water on Memorial. And they've rented out this area and there's going to be worship and there's going to be word and there's going to be encouragement and there's going to be evangelism and prayer. And actually our friends and our missionaries that we support on a monthly basis, Andrew and Kirsten Steele are going to be out there for that event also. It's going to be a powerful time. And this happens every month. This happens every month. This is one of the ways that we can engage in unity in uh, unity in the body of Christ locally. That's ran by Lisha and Robert Lee, um, who are a part of our church, but uh, they're celebrating their anniversary um, as, well as, as well as you guys. Yeah, so lots of anniversaries around this time of year. Uh, one more thing, which actually doesn't have to do with what I'm talking about, but because I'm thinking of it, um, Lisha has uh, agreed that she's going to step in and lead our youth for this season. And so we are pumped at that getting relaunched here in May. Um, she's going to be jumping in. And so be on the lookout for that. But okay, back to, back to this. Squirrel, uh, back, to, back to unity within the body of Christ. Another practical way, National Day of Prayer. We've got, there's like uh, church-wide events for all the body of Christ, uh, starting from like, like sunrise all the way to evening, events throughout the day. Tony Smock is putting together the part on uh, the noon, at noon at the courthouse, gathering together, praying about specific things. It doesn't have to be Rise Church. It doesn't have to be Cornerstone or whatever else. It's the body of Christ coming together. And so I would encourage you, let's, let's jump into that. Let's continue to see unity within the body of Christ. I've had enough of these stupid divisions. The body's a lot stronger when it works together. Right? I can bench press a whole lot more when it's not just my pinky. You know what I'm talking about? We gotta jump in. But again, churches, churches can look different. Um, and congregations and the body of Christ as we look at it on, on different levels. I think about like the Corinthians. Remember what Paul was saying to the Corinthians. They were, they were fervent for the things of the Spirit, for God to be manifest here and now. God is here. That was their focus. That was their calling. That was their conviction. And then you get to another church where Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica, in Thessalonians. He's like, guys, don't quench the Spirit. Right? Go after these things. So they looked a little bit different. They focused on something just a little bit different. And we too, just as each of those churches had a unique calling and a unique bent, we here at Rise have a unique bent and a unique calling that God has called us to. Number one, we are a part of the Foursquare denomination. What does that mean? Here are the four squares of Foursquare, that Jesus is our Savior. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yes, I, that was a little delayed. We got to be on that. Jesus is our Savior. Amen. Like, I, I don't even got to finish it. Jesus is our Savior. Amen. Come on. Jesus is also our healer. We believe that he heals right here, right now. We've seen it done time and time again, and we continue to go after it. Every single person who has a cast, every single person who has a sniffle, every single person who has any sort of thing wrong with them, they've got a target on them saying that I've got to pray for the sick because that's who we are. That's what we do. 
Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That God can be here with us, empowering us, moving through us, actually enabling us to do what he's called us to do, which is make disciples. And Jesus is our soon and coming king. Someone say he's coming back. He's coming back. He is coming back. And what we look like specific, specifically as Rise Church is that he's given us this clear mission to be dedicated to sound biblical theology. We have to know our Bible because it is the word of God. It is inerrant. It is infallible. This is what he's given us to live by. We are dedicated to sound theology coupled with the authentic power of God because God is doing the same things right now that he was doing in the Bible. God is able And all along while we're doing that, we're helping people to take steps in relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. What does that look like? Well, we're called to be transformed by the renewal of our mind through conviction of the Holy Spirit, through calling of by our brothers to help call that, call that out, our brothers and sisters calling that out, right? We are all called to take steps in relationship with Jesus, and we want to we help you do that. Someone asked me recently, uh, if you could choose one or two Bible verses that would summarize who you want to be as a church, what would they be? Like, easy, Acts 2, 42 and 43, like, No problem. It says, and they, this is the early church being developed. This early church, like people giving their lives to Jesus, like like crazy. Acts 2, 42 and 43. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want to be about that. I want to be about the teaching of the scripture and about fellowship, about doing life together, about knowing each other, about like that iron sharpening iron and stuff. Like I want, I, I want to be a part of that. To the breaking of bread, I want to eat with you. Preferably good food, but I'll eat with you good food or bad food. Like I, I'm down. I want to be about that. I want to be about praying together. I like this part in verse 33, that awe came upon every soul. I want to be about that. I want to be about being awed by God. I want to be about constantly living in that place like, whoa, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you hear about this? I want to be in that place. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I want to be about signs, wonders, and miracles because God's still doing it all. I want, this is what I want for us. And listen, we can do this together. In fact, this is how we're called to do it. We're not supposed to do this just singularly, go out and do all of this stuff on our own. In fact, it's impossible because God's created us to be and live and function in this place of community. So what is, again, getting super practical, what does it look like to be a part of family? What does it look like to be a part of like good biblical family? Maybe for some of us, I was, I was thinking about, like, how do I explain this best? Um, maybe for some of us, it's best to think about, like, what a bad family experience looks like first. So I think about, like, a, a gathering of family. What, is, what does that look like when it's, when it's bad? Well, you've got someone who has known about the day forever and who has committed to be there, and then they just don't show up. They don't say anything. They just don't even show up. And you're like, all right. And then you've got someone who, uh, when they're outside of the family, people are like, oh, that's your family. They're like, no, I, I do not know who those people are. They are not my family. You can test my blood. They, they're, no. 
right? So they deny being a part of family. Um, and then you've got the people in the kitchen, right, at this, at this gathering, and one of them is cutting olives the long way, and the other person says, no, they're supposed to be cut the, the, the wide way, right? You are doing it wrong. And at the moment, any s- sort of discord, any sort of uh, frustration comes up, they just leave. No conversation. They're just out. I'm out, right? There's, there's no conversation. And then you've got like, I don't know. I'm trying to see whose name not to use. Um, <laughs> let's just say like Uncle Ted. There's like Uncle Ted. And he just comes in. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't... He, he doesn't do any, he doesn't even give you eye contact. He just kind of walks right in. He picks, he picks the seat. And then when food is ready, he's like, hey, go bring me a plate. And then nothing, right? And so this would be an example of what kind of a bad family experience. No judgment or anything like that, okay? Which is totally theoretical. This doesn't happen with anybody. It's just, okay, all right. No harm, no foul. All right. Now, what would the opposite of that look like? What would a good family experience look like? Well, that would be like people showing up. That would be people actually showing up. That would be um, people who don't deny that they're a part of that family. That would be um, when things get rough and there's the argument about which way to cut the olives, that we have the conversation, that that we talk. And that would look like not just showing up and waiting for the plate and consuming, but that we contribute. This is, this is what family. So what does it look like to be a part of a family? What does it practically look like to be a part of a biblical family? Now, bringing this continually more practical to us here at this church, what does it look like to be a biblical family? I'm a pastor, so I've got three points, and they all start with C. <laughs> Commitment. Contribute, communicate. Commitment, contribute, communicate. Commitment, why? I've got some reasons because people need different reasons. Number one is because Jesus was committed to the idea of church. Jesus is committed to the idea of church. In fact, when I, when I married that, that couple, um, one of the things that I do in, in the charge is to say, Ephesians chapter five, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look, he was so and is so committed to this thing called church. And we should be, we should be committed just like Jesus is. So are you, are you committed? Again, we've, we've touched on that on the global level. What does it look like for you to be committed to the church on the global level? But also, what does it mean for you to be committed at, at our church, within our family here? What does it look like for you to be committed to teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to eating together, good or bad food, to signs, wonders, miracles, to culture transformation? What, is, what does that look like? I want to give you a few practical things that that can look like for us to be here as a part of this family committed. Commitment can be lived out by, number one, articulating it, saying, I'm committed. I'm here. I'm in it. It can, it can look like uh, showing up regularly, right? Show, I'm, now I know someone's told me that culture here in Southeast Idaho, we have play days. When the sun comes out, sometimes we go, that's okay. I'm not saying that you have, every single time you miss church, I'm going to be knocking on your door. It's all good. Maybe we got base competitions or, or something, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. But am I showing up on a regular basis? 
Um, am I leaving at the slightest sign of trouble? Are we having that conversation? Are we talking about it? Are we communicating and contributing, which we'll get into? So that's a biblical reason. Now, what about a cultural reason? Why should I be committed to a church? Committed to the church? Well, because it's so doggone countercultural. And listen, you're the people of God. So I'm going to say, I'm the people of God. You're called to be the light and the salt of the earth. You're called to look counterculture. You're called to be that example that we can point to and say, that's what it looks like to be in right relationship with God. Now, what does culture look like? Someone say, cancel. If we don't like it, cancel. If there's something that makes us feel strange about it, cancel. If my marriage isn't giving me what I feel like I should be getting, cancel. If you don't like your identity, cancel. If you don't like history, cancel. If you're offended, cancel. If you're hurt, cancel. Cancel. If the culture is cancel and you want to be cancel or countercultural, cancel the cancel culture and commit. I, I actually almost said it. I actually almost said it fully. I, I did one pause. If the culture is cancel and you want to be countercultural, cancel the cancel culture and commit. I need like a little, uh, so, something like that or some hats or who's, who's the rhymer guy? I don't even know. Yes. So why commit to a church? Number one, it's Jesus's example. Number two, it's countercultural. And here's a super practical one. I know it's been funny, but here's, here's getting to my heart a little bit. Um, when I or another leader here at our church hears about someone in need, I, I believe that the church is to do the work of ministry, that my role as shepherd is to help facilitate ministry and equip the saints for the work of ministry. How am I supposed to know who is, who's here, who's a part of our, our family? Right? How, am I, how am I supposed to know? I don't know. How am I supposed to know who, who to send if I don't have someone saying, I'm in, I'm here, send me. Listen, very practical. Every team has a roster. Every school has an enrollment. Every business has a payroll. Every army has an enlistment. And even our government takes a census and requires voter registration, supposedly. Scratch that. Can we erase that? I don't know if we can erase that. Anyways. Practically, how do I know if I've, I have made a commitment to the church? Uh, here's, here's what it, it looks like. I go, it, it goes from I go to Rise Church to I belong to Rise Church. It goes from, hey, yeah, your church is great to my church is great. You're a part of family when you commit. You're part of family when you contribute. Back to that picture of, uh, did we say Ted? I don't even know. If there's someone here named Ted, I'm so sorry. But Uncle Ted sitting there with the plate, no relationship, anything, and just saying, hey, feed me, right? It, it, it all becomes about me. You, you know the thing that allows and keeps cancel culture going? It's consumerism. Right? It's all about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about number one on my me mind. Right? It's all about me, 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 me. You know, you can't make a perfect song with just the me. 
It's all about me. Feed me, stir me, encourage me, play my song, sing my song, read my scripture, strengthen me, uplift me, empower me, change me, bless me, provide for me. Me, me, me. And I keep going back to this in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. This is who we're supposed to be. With everything that we've got, we're supposed to give glory to God. Everything. We're supposed to worship with everything that we have. That's completely contrary to consumerism that says, I'm here to get for me. Here's uh, just a snapshot of how we're supposed to look at our things in relation to church. Snapshot. Here's what James says in James 1.17. Write that down. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything is a good gift from, from Father. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Here's what Jesus says, Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much is given, to him much will be required. We are called to be stewards of everything that we have. Here, lumping this all together, here's the statement. Everything that I have is a gift from God, and I am called to be a steward of that, of that stuff, which means that I use it as God directs. It's not my stuff. It's, it's all God's stuff. And so here's the question, what has God given you? Without everyone speaking at once, I'll tell you what God has given you. He's given you time, treasure, and talents. Boom. Someone wake up. Keep going. Hey, I like that beat. Good? Or is it that mic? The Cajun. Cajon. Okay. Am I good right here? Cajun. <laughs> All right, God has given you time. Do, do I need to change mics? I can do handheld because I feel like, I, can you guys still hear me? Am I coming through? Okay, all right. Time, treasure, talent. So here's what we have to ask. How are we contributing our time to seeing the body of Christ flourish? How are you contributing your treasure to seeing the body of Christ flourish? How are you contributing our talents to see the body of Christ flourish? Our time can be looked at like participation, right? It can be looked at as, as serving. How am I using my time to see the body of Christ continue to grow my treasure? That's looked at everything as with like monetary value. So I ask these questions, my vehicle, how am I using that to worship Jesus? Right. My house, how am I using that to worship Jesus? How am I continuing to, uh, to, to use that to see the body of Christ flourish? Treasure can also be talked about in terms of our, can I say this in the pulpit? Money? Is that like? Yes. Yes. It, in, it includes that. And a New Testament understanding of money is built upon an Old Testament understanding which is that standard of 10%. And then going above and beyond that, Deuteronomy um, 10, 14 says, Behold, to the Lord God belong heaven and the highest of heavens and earth and all that is in it. So if we're questioning like, well, 
Does that include this part of, does what you have, does that dwell on earth? If we're questioning that, then, I mean, maybe you guys have something out there. You got some crazy stuff going on. That's, that's pretty cool. But if it does dwell on earth, then it belongs, to, it belongs to God. And as people would give their first fruits, their first 10% before the Lord, it would go towards the Levitical priests. It would go towards the work of ministry. It would go towards the temple. It would go towards the place of, of gathering. And that's where the standard begins as you jump into the New Testament. And so we ask this question, how am I using what God has given given me to see the body of Christ flourish. And then finally, your talent. Time, treasure, talent. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen, God has created you in a unique way. He has created you with gifts. He has created you with talents. And we ought to see those talents released to bless people, to contribute to the growing of the body of Christ. So you're a part of the family when you commit, you're a part of the family when you contribute, and you're a part of the family when you communicate. Communication's a big deal. We've been talking about it in past weeks as we've talked through judgy, judginess and forgiveness and justice. But listen, the people of God communicate through issues. This is what we do. This is who we are. The people of God seek to right any wrongs. I, I know this firsthand that I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon me last night as I was envisioning myself standing here giving this message, knowing that I've got some wrongs that I need to make right with people in this room, with people online. And I'm feeling that. There's that prompting, but we've got to. We have got to not allow anything to get between us. We seek to do, we seek to make things right. Even, even if... This is, this is a tough one to say. Even if God's calling you to a different tribe, even if God's calling you to go somewhere else, we, we communicate it. Let me give you a for instance, and this is super practical in this season. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into a close. Laura, if you could come help me just do that. For some reason, the music makes me just want to you know, tone down. I know some people get some jazzed up. It makes me calm down a little bit. So... Um, Oh, dude. All right. You'll have to send me some recommendations to send me some recommendations. Um, all right. Here's the question I've been asking. Jesus, if you are asking us, because Jesus has asked us in this season to continue to develop close-knit community. So Jesus, if you are asking us to continue to develop closer-knit family here, again, back to that question, how do I know who's a part of this family or not? Is it by who comes? It, and then if it's by who comes, then, I mean, I'm looking for the biblical percentage. Like, is it 100% of the time, 75% of the time, 50% of the time, right? What, what's the percentage? And then is that per month or per year? Like, how do, we, how do we divide this up? Am I supposed to know that by who comes or who gives? And then is there a, a percentage there? Is there a standard there? By I, is that how, is it who, 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 uh, who contributes, who's serving? Is it by who smiles at me? Right? Sometimes we got straight face and we just, we're about business. I do that a lot. How do I know? I think all of that is like assumption based. 
I'm assuming that so-and-so is here or they're not here. What happens if people don't show up for like three weeks? Do I just assume that they're not here and not a part of our family anymore? Or is it because they're sick? Should I check on them or would that be offensive? Like all of this is built upon assumptions and it's passive. And here, here's what I wanna do. As God has called me and empowered me to be someone who's going to direct culture here at our church, here's what I'm gonna say. Let's not be a passive community. Let's be an active community. Let's be a community that talks through stuff. Let's talk through, let's just talk through it all. I would love to process with you. Our leadership team would love to process with you. Let, how can we actually do life together in the transformative way that we see in the Bible if we are not communicating? Because that's what I'm after. I wanna, I wanna do this with you. So you're a part of family when you commit, when you contribute, and when you communicate. I wanna know who's, who's in this together, who wants to rise together. Here's some of the things that God is doing. Leaders are being developed and released. Teachers are getting to teach. Encouragers are getting to encourage. The creators, the creators are getting to creatively express. We've got amazing worship. Y'all are killing it. Gifts are on display. Words of wisdom and words of knowledge are being shared. People are praying and people are being healed. Prophecy is being spoken. Tongues and interpretation are being shared. Bible is being taught and made practical. The lost are being found. People are taking steps with Jesus. People are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Close family relationships are being developed. We are helping the gospel to go forth. We've got a hand in the gospel going forth from the West Coast to the East Coast, all across the United States, Liberia, Nepal, Uganda, Kenya, Greece, Italy, Iraq, Jordan, Israel, and that's just this year. Jesus is being glorified, but there are more ministries to be built. There's more ministry to be released. There's more people to set free. There's more lives to be transformed. And so are you in? Are you in to see this thing grow? Are you in to run with me? Because I had this vision from the Lord as we were coming back from California. He said, you run a race and we're called to run a race with endurance, but you've got different sections of a race. And sometimes you're called to pace it. And then sometimes you're, ta- you're called to kick it. God's saying it's time to kick. It's time to kick. That means let's, let's jump in. How do I know if you are in it? How do I know if you are ready to jump in? One way is to say, I'm in, is to say, this is my church family. And so what I've done is I've put together a little sheet that can simply help you to say, this is my church home. This is my church family. I'm in, I wanna see this thing grow. Let's go. If you're online with us, I also put an online form or if you prefer to do it on phone because you have something that's paper, that's okay. You can do it on your phone at risechurchid.org um, under the take more steps tab. Let's do this together. Let's rise together. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here. God, thank you for, well, Let let me stop there and say thank you for what you're doing across the globe. God, I thank you that I continue to hear that you are moving in signs, miracles, and wonders. That Thank you for the new churches that are planted here in our area. We pray and we speak life into them and to all of the other churches. We pray over each of the pastors and the leadership teams continue to work in them. I pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit for all of them. And I pray for us, God. I pray, Lord, help us to stay in our lane. 
Help us to do what you're calling us to do, to look like what you're calling us to look like, to walk in the convictions that you are calling us to walk in. Help us to steward it well. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.